All right, y'all, it's spring, and you know what that means. It's time to start planning our summer festival traveling. Yep, it's time to get into my Airbnb bag cross-country, a.k.a. uh, time to visit my homes all across the country. And you know what I never think about? Why not list my own spot on Airbnb and host some folks at my house? I mean, my house is cute. Yes, let's make money while we're spending money. Just trying to help you out, man, because your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Course Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to QLS Classic, episode 97, with DJ Jazzy Jeff from August 2018. What can I say? Jazzy Jeff is simply the best, most creative DJ of all time. There is no DJ today worth their grain of salt that doesn't worship from the altar of Jeff Towns. And if you know, you know. So, without further ado, I present you the GOAT of all DJs, straight out of Philadelphia, DJ Jazzy Jeff. Here we go. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Another episode without Fonte. Unpaid and boss bill. And I'm stuck with Stephen Laia. Yeah. Suprema, Suprema roll call. Suprema, Suprema roll call. This dude can spin. Yeah. This dude makes tracks. Yeah. This dude can cook. Yeah. This dude can act. Roll call. Talented motherfucker. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Yeah. And this roll can't easy. Oh shit. Yeah. I love me some Jeff. Yeah. Like Jazz love Hillary. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. My name is Fest. Yeah. My crew is new still. Yeah. It's called the Trinity. Yeah. We don't fight like Drew Hill. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. My name is Jeff. Yeah. His name is Fess. Yeah. It's Steven Laia. Yeah. And that's my brother Quest. Roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. Suprema. Suprema roll call. 
Oh man, yo. Who would have I have to say that of I mean, we're not at 100 episodes yet, but we're at least at 80 something. 80 something, yeah. That is probably the quickest thinking of the feet. I I mean, I've had world renowned MCs <laughs> yeah. just like up 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 up. up, up. You Hey man, you listen. kinda killed Rob. You, you, <laughs> you might have I think you bodied your he bodied the verse. Yeah. I wrote that for him. I wrote that for him. <laughs> That's my ghost writer right there. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another uh anemic episode of <laughs> Quest Love Supreme, only on Pandora. Uh, I'm still here with what's left of Team Supreme. <laughs> Damn. You know when it get hot outside, niggas start disappearing. I know. <laughs> Sug- Sug- well, Sugar Steve's still here, even though you know you're yeah. you're you're a network star now. I, I, with- plus, I have every excuse to call in sick. You know, <laughs> mentally ill, among other things. Yeah, I see. Well, thank you for still sticking. Mm. Hey, man, I never missed the show. I assume that Fonte is still working on his uh, uh, yeah. his Fuck basement him top. and his counter. Yeah, his countertops. He's <laughs> his week number five working on his How bathroom. How you gonna miss work to work on your house? Hey, man, the bathroom tiles are important. You know, it's extremely important. Meanwhile, both bills have medical conditions, so there you go. I thought, what, Bill's not at Sesame Street right now? No, Bill's getting his wisdom teeth out. Oh, Lord. Okay, I guess I can excuse that. All right. Shout out to Boss Bill, who uh, has a headache right now. So, wait, I don't know. Because if something happens in the future, I don't want this to sound bite to be played. He has a severe headache right now. Yes. Shout out to Boss Bill and his uh, many headaches. So, I I just want to make sure that I'm not the source of the headache. So, all right. uh, Less stress in your life, Bill. I promise to be better but you gotta admit i am improving since the beginning of of course love supreme you have but then you stop sugar and you back so you know <laughs> oh okay yeah lie is claiming that i'm evil because i'm day 51 without sugar i'm just saying so i'm Can still here for that? you is that there. possible you, steve huh is that possible uh if you want to live it is i'm just saying that you know Word. 20 23 24 25 yeah your concern was like getting shot at the club yeah, the new getting shot at the club is Diabetes. getting yes. a stroke. Yeah, yeah. like yeah. I, I don't want to be I that person. I mean, you still got your boyhood figure, Jeff. So how you do it? Listen, I do 160 dates a year <laughs> and walk like 19 miles through the airport. What, so. Wait, I was gonna say. Wait a minute, time out. Uh, we're doing this ass backwards, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, did we not do that? <laughs> oh, I forgot to introduce our actual guest yes. of the show, oh. uh, ladies and gentlemen. It could be Jeffrey Osborne. If got. <laughs> Already had. He was late. He was our last guest. My bad. Yo, did you know he played drums with Smokey Robinson? No. You know what we forgot to ask Jeffrey Osborne? And we do this often. We often rabbit hole ourselves and introduce mm-hmm. like a half hour down the line. I forgot to even talk about Whitney Houston's Didn't We Almost Have It All. He wrote that for Oh, her. shit. I didn't oh, know wow. that. Yes. Damn, that's a banging song. He wrote that for her. Anyway, uh, ladies and... Okay. Introducing <laughs> Jeff. Uh, yeah, if 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 God were DJ, mm. <laughs> he'd be named Jeffrey Towns. Mm. Uh, and well, that's all I have to say. It's gonna be the shortest intro ever. Yeah. Uh, we have God himself of turntables, uh, Philly's own DJ Jazzy Jeff, the legendary DJ Jazzy Jeff on Quest Love Supreme. Uh, wow. It would also take that. It would also uh, uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't also mention that uh, you're here. With a very special guest. Yes. Uh, Another God in his right. Mm. Grammy and... Oscar. Oscar winner. Okay. 
Damn, now was Sherman, now was Unpaid Bill was here. We we have somebody to... Oh, yeah, get his O for his get. Well, yeah, because, you know, well, I think what bought, Unpaid Bill is an in, in, Right. One of our co-hosts, he has a Grammy, an Emmy, and a Tony, but he's missing your O. He's missing the O. Okay. So if, if he was chilling with uh, Unpaid Bill right now, we, we'd have a ghetto. <laughs> Not an ego. Uh, Ron Fest is here, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. yeah. What up, what up? Saving the world. Yeah. Uh, and also, I should mention, uh, your new project, M3. Yes. Uh, in Well, right now, digitally available, but when will it be in store? Will it be? It's in stores. It's in. Well, hard, hard. Uh, no, hard copies are coming. Listen, I'm doing this all independent, so I hard understand. copies have to come a little bit uh, later, uh, and they're they're on the way. Okay, good. That's good to mention. Yeah. That's good to mention. Um, yeah. So you you were saying that you keep in shape because you just run across airports nonstop. See, but that's the thing. My Achilles' heel is being on the road because you know. For every coffee shop in every airport, hotel food. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is, I mean, I, yeah, I can dig it. It is so. How do you resist that? And I know you mm. live at home in in Lynette's kitchen. Yes, which you yes. know, as far as I'm concerned, you guys catch uh, your your fish <laughs> and all your seafood in the backyard of where you live. So, like, how? Just uh, just remaining active. It's not it's not even an exercise thing. You know, it's really when you got 60 pounds on your back because you try to take every gadget in the world and you're pulling a little portable studio on a pull bag and you're in London Heathrow and your gate is 35 minutes away. I know that, yeah. You know that feeling. So it's a lot of walking, you know. You get mad when you first go out because you're winded and you're tired and you're mad and your knee hurts. But by the time you come home, I would say you're OJ Simpson, but right. you know what I mean. You know, I know what you mean. <laughs> Yo, wait, have you ever uh have you ever successfully to me, like to successfully navigate through Heathrow without them thoroughly checking my back? Like Heathrow is one of the Yeah. Most anal yeah. retentive yes. airports in the world. Yes. Like you can have a piece of like gum in your bag and if you don't take it out to let them know that yeah. then they're they're taking a, your whole entire fiber apart of that bag or you just wait for your bag to go on that separate lane ah uh, it's the worst and then the that world. separate lane you realize that there's 19 people in front of in front, you right you're missing your flight so yeah y'all travel too much yeah. uh, you, <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing was like no it's for real like Heathrow is one of the most anal retentive I mean, most of them quality rhymed about that, even even on their first record. Like, the yeah. first time I ever had to have the mm. check was mm. at Heathrow. Has please. there been, between the two of y'all, y'all been around the world like 50,000 times, has there been anywhere you haven't been yet? Um, I just went to Kenya. That was, the, that was yeah, my first was that time into? in Kenya. Um, what was that like? That was probably top three experience of my life. Why? What? Um, listen, first of all, I was, you know... I don't change I don't change the way I play anywhere in this world. See. At all. Because let me let me give you my reasoning. Um, you don't go to Africa and play Afrobeat. That's the shit that they hear all the time. And that's the biggest mistake that I think a lot of DJs, because think about it. When you get DJs that come to Philly and be like, oh, I'm about to play Crown Rulers, and you kind of like, come on, dude. Right. I, I came to see you play. I didn't come to hear you play how you think I want you to play. 
So I never change the way that I play. Because people, you're a seasoning. You're a you dish just, in you, a restaurant. You, you just, don't change the dish. You, you mad call me you out. You called me out. I mean, listen, I, you know. It's never too late, though, right? Yeah, but because you know what it is. It's kind of like, imagine going to your favorite restaurant and, and they change the menu every week. You upset. You like I came for the fish. I right. want the fish and the cornbread. What what's the meatloaf? Okay, but I'm going to ask you about the the Kansas incident. Mhm. That's always my worst nightmare. Well, you know what it is? Uh, Kansas was me walking into that didn't have anything to do with me playing. That had more to do with the the wrong event in the wrong place. You know, like you can't you know, because I've I I had situations like that when you know a, DJ AM passed away. I did one of his memorials in Las Vegas, and I did it in a place that they didn't want you to play hip hop. And I'm kind of like, how do you have me do a Jazzy a, a, Jeff a tribute to a hip hop DJ and not play hip hop? Like I'm kind of like, yo, so you trying to do this shit by name only? Wait, that's still going on. Like, well, it it not now, but. It was. What was the name? Uh, can you name? What was the name of the club? Or um, what's the situation? Okay. What was the? It was tell, uh, tell them the Kansas Steve, story. Well, I, I, See, I don't want to start with the bad DJ gig first. I want to start with the early I, DJ. It's All the right. God. He I got did. Him all. Um, okay. I did. Uh, I was on tour with Scion. Okay. And Scion was doing these parties all over, and we went to Kansas City and played in the Power and Light District. Um, and it was funny because I got there. Z Trip had went on before me. And I came out, and we started playing, like, 5,000 people outside. We started playing, and people are rocking. And, you know, my, my sets are very eclectic. Like, I'm going to play some hip-hop. I'm going to go here. I'm going to do this. And, you know, at the end of the night, you're going to get a little bit of everything. And the, my road manager at the time came out and put a towel on my table and walked off. So I looked. And I'm looking at the towel that I already have. And I'm just like, why did he bring a towel over? So he came out and brought a bottle of water. And I had water on the table. So I knew something wasn't right. So he ended up coming over the third time. And he leaned down and he said, listen, they're about to cut you off. Because they're saying that you're playing too much hip hop. And before they cut you off, I wanted to let you know so that you can make the decision. I said, oh, shit, tell Skills, we're out of here. So he went and leaned and told Skills, and Skills turned and looked at me and was like, "Word," and it was like, "Yeah." So right in the middle of everybody rocking, I just said, "So Poof. people are rocking." Oh, listen, it's nonstop, nonstop. Like I think I was playing Rihanna at that. So I hit the stop button, and Skills said, "Hey, I'm sorry, Kansas City, but we just got word that they don't really want us playing hip hop in here, and they're about to cut Jeff off." So before. We let them do that to us. We wanted to make the announcement to you that we apologize and we hope that we can come back and play for you soon. And took everything off and I walked off stage. Everybody thought it was a part of the show. So they I'm stood still thinking it's a part of the show. For like, about two minutes. And when the road manager started coming out and breaking my equipment down, people went off. Wow. And I went downstairs in the dressing room. Skills was standing outside and they kicked Skills out the venue. Cause they were mad, like they went. This is the behind the scenes thing that you wasn't supposed to pull the curtain back. Whoa! So the hotel was across the street. I ended up walking across the street and had no idea how big this was. And I remember this is early Twitter. I posted, "Wow, right party, wrong place." I was like, "This is the first time that I ever someone ever threatened to kick me off in twenty five years." And went and checked into the hotel. I called 
you know, my manager at the time, and he was like, change your flight. You know, we had like a nine o'clock flight. He's like, get on the six o'clock flight. He said, because I guarantee you they're going to be pressing everybody at the airport. So I changed my flight. And we got on the plane and flew at six o'clock. And I landed. By the time I landed, Associated Press had called me. Like, it hit everywhere. And I was just like, like, it, it, it got so bad that the owner of Power and Light was the owner of the land of 4040 Club. And it got so bad that he called Jay-Z for Jay-Z to call Will, for Will to call me because he wanted to talk to me. And he was like, listen, I need to meet with you so I can officially apologize. Didn't you win the first Grammy for hip-hop? Hey, listen. (laughs) They was trying to get me to come back. Like, what did they... It was just the area of... (laughs) No, no. It had nothing to do with that. It was kind of like... You know what Power and Light is like? Power and Light is kind of like, um, I don't want to say uh, uh, Xfinity Live. It's like mm. one of those, but it was kind of like, we're not really trying to have that hip hop element. Because from what I heard after I left was, they were like, you know, we don't normally come down here. They don't like you in sports jerseys and baseball hats. And it was Xfinity. one of Oh, it's just black people. Yeah, yeah, basically. <laughs> so strike. setting that tone. Just, just code talk. But you know how it is. You kind of, sometimes you skate under the radar because it's like, that's jazz from Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, not knowing that I'm playing Mob Deep. But what was Z-Trip playing? Like, Z-Trip was playing mashup. So he was sneaking. He was sneaking. But understand, no one said that. Like, all of these dates that we did, no one said, when you come here, that you have to play like this. Like, you know, a lot of times people tell you how you want to play. I'm like, I'm cool. Like, if I can't do me, then. How do you, yeah, how do you handle it? Because. I don't. I don't. I don't. That, I don't accept that at all. Even at the most prestigious gigs Listen, of. I won't take them. If, if you don't want me, then don't book me. Always your whole career. Always. If you don't want me, don't book me. Man, I. Because you know, you know how it is. Vegas, Vegas got like that. You know, Vegas got to the point. That it was kind of like, well, we kind of want this. Like, I remember. Do you dread Vegas now? Listen, I don't do Vegas anymore. They Listen, I, I get a million offers to do Vegas and I turn them down. But, but you remember, like, we, we you know, Quest and I had a residency, a residency yeah, at I the thought, same spot. Okay. And I never forget the first time that I did it. When I was done, they came down. or, or uh, Someone said, well, we'll have a report for you. And I was like, a report? I ain't never had a report <laughs> What kind, what's a report? Wait, a report? Like, we're going to give you a report. You know, and it got to a point that, it, you know, oh, yeah, you were great and this was cool. But it was kind of like, so you got people down here, like, checking on me. Like, I've been DJing in Vegas before everybody who works here. Yeah. You know, but it's, you yeah. know, I'm like, at the end of the day, if everybody's having a good time and they buying drinks and everybody's cool, leave me alone. This is weird now because it's like you're, the notoriety that you have that allows you to DJ in spaces that your average your 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 average guy okay well I'll be explicitly honest <laughs> because I mean it's the white elephant in the room obviously you and Cash are Philadelphia gods mm-hmm. and your level of celebrity has allowed you more oxygen and more yep leverage and where you are now and it's also on, on how you you freak it and how you handle your business mm-hmm. that part you know so i can't ignore that but it's like 
Are you? I'm. I'm the type of person that dreads when November comes around, because in my head, usually when December gigs come, I'm always like, "Damn, January is coming, and it's going to be another year where someone born in 2002, <laughs> or you know, someone born in 1999, who who'll be." 21 or whatever you know won't know what don't stop till you get enough is mm-hmm. or it's like those records that used to be instant yeah. oh my god they change like you you remember how like you would play the the opening horn riff of like troy yep and it was like chaos and then the moment Do you remember when it stopped you remember when that stopped yeah yo when i had one of the worst incidents well my first incident of that i did howard's homecoming (laughs) oh no and i remember when you do the whole you know i remember when you would play all of the current stuff and then you would kind of go into your eric b for president and everybody would lose their mind right and i dropped eric b for president and everybody just stood there and i was like wow Wow. like because now eric b for president is the entrance to where i'm going so i'm like oh shit you don't know the door that I just opened up, I don't know if I can go in the house now. Yeah. So I was kind of, you know, and I remember that. But th- that was the first time that I learned the lesson that you have to pay attention because every few years, the 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 timeline slides. Right. You know what I mean? Like it was, I remember, you know, a couple of years ago going overseas, playing, and somebody dropped Eve, Who's That Girl? And the club went crazy. And I was like, oh, shit, this is their classic now. Yeah, so that's that was the, so. You just have to keep, you just have to keep your 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 music set up in a way that you just have to slide it, slide it. Like you got to pay attention to who's out there. But are you ready to admit that "Front by Pharrell" is now the new message by Grandmaster Flash and the Curious Five? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, like that's yeah. old school now. Well, you know what? It, it all this also comes down to who are you playing for. You know what I mean, and and so are you playing for yourself or are you playing? for Oh the no, crowd? no 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 no! L- listen, I I I do a very very good mixture of playing. I take enough me gigs to make to make me happy, but my job is to play for the people. So wait, when you went to Kenya, because we mm-hmm. started this with Kenya, so now I'm, I, I want to know in reference to Kenya, like mm. what made the what made the the crowd mm. go crazy, and what was listen, their like they they throwback day? So old we where we played was it was a restaurant. So we went and ate, like, when the club opened up. When I was telling you, they was playing Mary J. Blige album cuts. Mm-hmm. Like, it was 100% pure black music and deep black music. And they appreciated it. To the point that I was kind of like, oh, if that's where y'all going, oh, I'm good. I'm good. So, you know, it was it was everything from some classic house stuff to Mob Deep to... Like they, 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 I couldn't stump them. Good, Ryan Fest. What were you saying about? I know, like, you know, like, so I dance a little bit, you know what I'm saying? But when you go to Africa, like, you just insecure, you know what I'm saying? Like, you like, man, it ain't no dance that I can do that's gonna impress nobody out here. And then, but when Jeff played that music, they're all, it's like you're at you're in the home of where rhythm started. Mm-hmm. You're in the home, like, when you, when you get, I heard the black people in America was from West Africa, but when you go to Kenya, they'd be like, welcome home. And you look around like, really? Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. you're like, this is all mine too? Like, and, and, and you know, just 
the the welcoming atmosphere, but you know they got like bodily and musical superpowers if they want, because that's where it starts. How many how many days or weeks were you guys there? We we were there for three days. Really, three days. We 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 played like the first day we got there. Coming straight from America, or no you, no no no, we were we were out for a month. Okay, I was about to say like <clears throat> for three days. It's like oh no, no jet no. lag. Do the gig have some food and <laughs> well listen that yeah it gets like that we were in dubai and we flew from dubai to kenya um and, and that food we played was good in stayed. kenya that food was mm. amazing talk about first of all mm. the seasoning mm. the se- yeah you know because everybody has this whole thing of when i'm going to africa i'm going to eat necessarily african food like they have their food right and then they have food that everybody eats you know it, it's weird. When I went to South Africa, there was a place that it's almost like they know what foreigners are looking for. Yeah. Like that Africa. <laughs> Africa. You know, like they're looking for that. And they actually made, they have a restaurant that plays up to that whole thing. But I could tell it's just like for tourists. Yeah. Like I asked the guy, I'm like, real. Africans wouldn't eat the spot, right? And he laughed like, "No, this is just for tourists." Like, yeah. they went the, yeah. the African. No, they took us. They took us to the real deal. Really, like, we ate at a restaurant that was overlooking a African preserve. That if you sat at your table and squinted, you could see a giraffe. Ooh, what? But yeah, it was deep. It was deep. Like I asked, there was a big security guard that was with us, and I was like, "Let me ask you a question. Like, how close are we to the lions?" Like, and he was like. Not so far. Like so he said, they just roam freely and yeah, yeah. Like they, they, they'll come in the hood. Word, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they tell, they told stories about yeah. gorillas that cross the road, and if one of them get hurt, yeah, the cars got to stop. And if you try to ride past, them, oh yeah, the gorillas will jump on the car and bang your window. Yeah, that type. Like of you Africa. have to. You, we went you, to that part of Africa. Yeah, you got to stop and let them. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. <laughs> You serious? Yeah, it was. Oh, oh, oh listen, we went to a, a, we went to an African animal. Orphanage. Yeah, that was. Let, I, first of all, let me explain. Wait, something. Michael Jackson, right? He, I was like an animal orphanage. He, he, the guy was telling us that when a lion roars in full voice, you can hear him ten miles away. He said a lion will roar into the ground and vibrate the ground. That's how he lets everybody know, get out my way. But oh, that's a Debo they, warning. Listen, they were feeding the lion. And the female lion came over to try to grab a piece of meat from the male lion, and the roar that he let out, I, I let, I let a little bit go. That's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> like I ain't never heard no shit like that. She like, wanted the big piece of chicken. <laughs> listen, like that roar, I was kind of like, I'm cool. I'll take my lions in the zoo. That wow. was a little deep. I gotta, I gotta. Figure, you gotta experience. I gotta that, figure though. out a way to get oh, over there. The, Anyway, I'm glad that I'm here because they are greatly wanting you to come down Ooh, and play. Oh, can I go? I'm sorry. Like, greatly want you to come down and play. I'm saying that no one has ever carried on a string teased me more than the entire continent of Africa. But you've been to a couple places. You did South, right? I've been to South Africa. South is different. But I've been to South. South... Yeah, you go South. to South Africa. You almost don't get cool points for going to South yeah, Africa no that's more. America. Like, where you going? I'm going to South Africa. Yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah. Like I got props when it was like I'm going to Kenya. Right, right. over. Like how South did you, Africa, how did you look Ghana. that up? They they just called. 
Really? They called and was like, listen, we and it was crazy because once I accepted Kenya, then Tanzania called yes. and all these other people. Oh. And it was just like it was it was a little too late for that. See, oh. now, that I know, back, now that I know what I know, I gotta, you know. Yeah, you need to go like I'm going to Benin or, or my what, Nigeria. What where? I would tell you, you will absolutely body that. Like they asked. They were like, who 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 do you want to come down and play? And they Wait. Was, oh, we love Premier. He was like, we would love Questlove. We don't know if we can get him. I was like, I'll talk to him. Because yeah. I'm like, oh, he's It's will, not that I don't want to go. You it's will a destroy matter of that. Time. But wait a minute. I know you're meticulous about your back line. Mm-hmm. So do you just take, do you now just travel with all of your equipment? No. I I just. So they have, have Pioneer turntables there or Pioneer yep. just ships them? Yep. They have Pioneer turntables, had an S9 mixer. What? Yeah. That's not everywhere. They got in that in Kenya. Come on, man. Okay. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. yeah. Listen. It's Obama's hometown. I sat well, down when, first when of all, I was there. Yeah, they had the Flintstone bird. <laughs> it's a living. You I know, got- like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not laughing at you. No, I'm just saying. Back in 2008. <laughs> You know, if I had to send a carrier pigeon yeah. to send a few uh, breakbeats over to me. <laughs> yeah, no, no, they were they were cool. Okay, okay. They were cool. They gave me a bunch of music too. Okay. So you know, I go down there. I, I was. Do you get I tired of people giving music. you like all their the twelve inches and the forty fives and everything? You can't say that outright because you know. I'll just, I'll just. You almost need to carry a bag for the stuff that exactly. people give you on a tour. Exactly. Because exactly. you just kind of come home and it's kind of like. You know, like it's cool. I really, really appreciate this T-shirt, just like I appreciate the twenty-two thousand T-shirts I have. I get right that you want me to take the T-shirt with your album cover artwork home. Well, it's almost like you could travel like a Navy SEAL now. Like you probably could just, you know, live off the swag that's given to you on the road. Pretty much, and pretty and much that's that. Yo, what's up? This is Fonte, Fontigolo from Team Supreme. Black representation in media is very important to me. I think it's important to have our stories told by people who look like us and who have shared in our common experiences. Some of my earliest influences were Donnie Simpson. Uh, I would also say Tom Joyner, Angela Stribling, uh, Sherry Carter. They were just people who told our stories with a lot of class and dignity and were big inspirations to me. The next generation of influential black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Schmurder to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now, they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Hear a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcast, The Center Black Voices. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR wherever you get podcasts. All right, y'all. You know what season it is. Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen, while I'm looking to spend all this money, what I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, 
you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I will kill myself, but I don't start the way I always... Good, I was waiting for you to. <laughs> well, yeah, we, we always start at the beginning. Right. But it's also been a long time since we had an episode of... Bitch, you guessed it! Ah! So, Jeff, as 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 the, uh, the 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 music extraordinaire that you are, and being one of the many, one of one of the first pioneers to actually introduce jazz samples mm. to hip hop, uh, we do a game uh, called "Bitch You Guessed It," in which uh, I will play a quarter of a second. Mm. of a particular song and you have to either guess the artist or the song. He said a quarter of a second. Oh, yes, a quarter he did. of a second. A quarter of a second. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Some are easy. Some are not. Yeah. This I is, know you. This is, this is, <laughs> I'm just saying, <laughs> this, this is uh, round one of, Bitch, you guessed it. okay, can you name this break? Rocket in the pocket. You are correct. This um, I I know it. That's the uh, who who makes that? It's the original. I don't want to be a player. Yes, piano. Brenda Russell. Brenda Bam. Russell. Thank you, Laia. The first Listen, one I, I might need that. help because I may not know the names, but you'll know that I know what I'm talking about. All right, number three. Brenda Funk or Bouncy Lady. Yes, I love how you just co-opted, yeah, <laughs> co-opted <laughs> that pleasure break. Okay. <laughs> Do that one more time. Um, yeah, uh, that's do 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 together. Do 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 do. The message by yeah, Samantha. Yeah, see, me and the biz. You ready? Yeah. Number five. Ooh, one more time. Yeah, you might stump me with that one. Wait a minute, one more time. Nope. One last time. Nope. Ah! <laughs> Game over. <laughs> what was it? Uh, that was Ohio players singing in the morning. See, he, he, yeah, yeah, he got me. Yeah. Biggie's uh, yep. ready to uh... rip. All right, that's you're allowed a strike. Number six. Is that uh, Parliament Funkadelic? Yes. Number seven. Oh, that is it. A bird is playing Johnny Guitar Watson. Superman lover. Yes. Number eight. That is the original. Be a father to your child. Edel G and the Bulldogs. 
Um, you're, you're close. Wrong single. Um, yeah, yeah. Not be a father to your child. Yeah, yeah you know on. what I'm talking. I gotta have it. Yeah, Bohannon. Burn up. Song singing a song for my mother. Be a father to your child was that shit. All right, two more left. Two more left. Mm. Last one. All right, second and last one. Um, the original Dre shit. Yeah, that's chick moaning. I want to do some freaky yeah, you by yeah. Leon Ward. Uh, side note: I actually thought that was my mom. Oh. No, only because Dre uses my parents' sample in that yep. shit too. So I thought. That you knew your mom Oh, uh, this, this is a little weird. I'm sorry, mom, for putting you out there hey, like Ms. this. Miss Jackie. Shut up. Sorry. Uh-oh. No, my mom has a similar <laughs> size. Uh, uh, size. Uh, I'm not Let's touching see, that. Oxygen, oxygen yeah. breathing <laughs> technique an on, on her record. Yeah, an exhale on her record. So, uh, yeah, I, I was very relieved to find out that, no, that wasn't my mom. But, yeah, she does something. something. Mm. It's enough topic. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, mm. your last song. Okay. All right, this, this is the Kamikaze. One more time. One more time. That's not... uh. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. <laughs> six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eleven, twelve. That was a banging song. <laughs> Only did that because of your connection with Jill Scott and getting in the way and her dropping that. Anyway, uh, even though I know it, uh, uh, Sir Jeff Towns, could you please tell our audience almost three hours into the show where you were born, what city? I was born in West Philadelphia. <laughs> Where in West Philadelphia? Like, are you allowed to talk about your old neighborhood now yeah, that you don't live yeah. there? I am. I'm, I'm from 57th and Rodman, oh. which is right next to 57th and Cedar, which is between Baltimore Avenue and Market Street, which is funny because, you know, the north side is basically the north side of Market Street. Mm-hmm. South side is south of Market Street, but before Baltimore Avenue. So not southwest. And- past Baltimore Avenue or southwest. So in '85, how close were you to that move fire? Mm. Oh man, because Rodman's right behind Osage. Yeah, mm. I was. I was about five blocks away. Like literally, heard the gunshots. Like the night before, right. um, you know, everybody in the neighborhood was just like, "Yo, something's going on." Because you knew move were there. Mm-hmm. You know, just going on the block. They oh, I went there. Be outside with the bull. Hunt. Jack Jones was like, <laughs> "Yeah, crawling on the floor." And, and it was crazy because that night they were like, "Yo, something is." gonna happen and we went up to Kyle's Creek Parkway and it was I've never seen as many cops I've never seen a SWAT team you know in real life and they all were out there the big floodlights um and you know we stayed up there for about two hours I mean you couldn't get but three blocks close to it and mm-hmm. then we went home and I, I never forget it had to be about five o'clock in the morning I have never in my life heard 20 minutes of sub-automatic weapons mm. being fired in your neighborhood. Like, it was nonstop. And, you you know, you didn't know. Like, you're hearing this through your window, not knowing what's going on. And you turn on the news and, you know. So you were, had no clue that in 24 hours, entire blocks were going to no. be burnt? No, no, was no. Was there no. any? Would drop. Was there no. any? 
Like, or, we saw the yeah. helicopter fly over, and we saw when it dropped it. Same. And yeah. we didn't know what it was. We saw when it dropped it, and you heard this incredibly loud boom that shook everything in the neighborhood. And we were just kind of like, what was that? And they were just like, they must have dropped some kind of explosive. And then the fire started. And, like, to realize this might have been 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and mm-hmm. no one came. Like, there wasn't a fire truck. Yeah around for a good five six hours so to watch it burn a complete block down and you know how the blocks are that they're connected so it burned a block down it went through the alley to another block and burned one side of another block down as an outsider i'm still surprised how y'all let this go down but i'm just gonna say that i don't understand philly y'all you are a philadelphian i am but i was in dc at the time and i just know i felt like if it would have happened in dc a bunch of black people would have took hands went and got around the neighborhood and been like i'll be damned if you're about to bomb these black people and these babies well no you didn't know you didn't know you didn't know like, understand, this is all news media, and this is after all of this gunfire. And I, what happened was people didn't know, which I which I personally believe that I don't think anybody from MOVE shot. I think right. this was the police shooting at each other because mm-hmm. all, all it takes is one shot. And, and, and it was just gunfire that no one was kind of, like, known to have shot somebody you didn't know. So it was just kind of like nobody moved. You didn't know what was and, going on. And to be honest with you, in 1985, black Christian conservative outlook mm. was was high. When, and black Christian conservative, I think, is almost a, a step ahead mm. of racist redneck, uh, Southern Bible Christian conservative. Mm. It's almost like, you know... Uh, uh, I remember, like, practically everyone in the neighborhood saw the move people as heathens. Right. Yep. Uh, yep. They eat raw meat. They homeschool their kids. They don't wear clothes. Like, like I remember yeah. the move. I, my brother used to live on 44th and Pouton. So I remember the first move with oh, Rizzo. Oh, 1977 move. Yeah. Naked move. So you, 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 yeah. you know, you knew about the organization. And what it was, um, and they had a standoff there. I was just mm-hmm. a little bit too young to really understand what it was. So when they kind of moved up in the neighborhood, you kind of it was still the same chatter, and you you know you're getting the the, the information off of television. So yeah, I, I was also I, that was I was heartbroken that day. I I just got dumped by like my first high school I'm girlfriend. Here. Only time a bomb been dropped in the country. You talk. I'm the- just saying, man. <laughs> None of that. He's shit like, matter. I got a bomb dropped on my heart. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, I came home. Seriously, like the second they dropped that bomb at like three thirty, I was right on my porch and I was just like, yeah. Let me yeah. go watch the last Cosby episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those of us who weren't there, can somebody just give us a brief? About move? Uh, well, not, not only about move, but about this bomb that the, was dropped the on role of, Like of I've never heard Boss of. Boss Bill will now oh, be wow. played by Steve Mandel. All right, so basically, um, move. I wouldn't know how to how to exactly. I kind of get what move is, but the move organization. But why was the bomb? He's asking about the correlation between the bomb. I'm being asking dropped. about so the bomb. There, okay, yeah. so according. This, want, is how, this is how Philadelphia people really explain this. This is not a mirror. He's not alone. Don't, yeah. I, don't, I don't want. I don't, <laughs> don't, don't want to be the. I don't want to be the the all sides guy. But so basically, I guess there was tension 
between the neighbors of the 5800 block of Osage Avenue and the Africa family, which... That's their last name. All their last names were Africa, similar to like having an ex. They all took the last name of Africa. And it was like 15 people in a house. Um, Everyone had a similar look, dreadlocks. They were more like a primitive... I mean, the thing is, is that it would be totally normal now in the times that we live in. But back then, you saw someone dreadlocks. You were just like, snakes in your head and... Mm -hmm. You must smoke drugs like Bob Marley and, you know, and they didn't believe in they just didn't really believe in the westernized colonization of where America was, their education system and all. So they wanted to homeschool their kids. They armed themselves as well, right? Yeah, yeah they armed themselves. So it was like part part uh, uh, part Black Panther, Panther ideology. Yeah. Educate your kids. Uh, live like uh, vegetarians. Uh, it's. I think the complaint was mainly a noise complaint. In the yeah, like they would, they would, they would blast they would their beat music on the the roof with a bullhorn and just preach their message. And they occupied homes. They didn't buy the homes. Oh they, yeah, like it occupied. was. And see, I think one of the things that was different was this was in a residential neighborhood. Like so, they were in the middle of the block. Like this, it wasn't like they were in the suburbs or had a farm. They were your next door neighbor. And not to mention they were already targeted because in 1977, um, our mayor, Frank Rizzo, who was like, Mm. I mean, if you think like Giuliani era, New York mixed with Donald Trump mixed with, Mm. I mean, just think of the, uh, the worst racist police state mayor you could have. Um, they they had an incident uh, on 44th and Palton where it was like uh, because of a disturbance there and then there was a shootout and he made them all come outside. I, I just remember the, the, the picture of them all naked, yeah. like 20 of them hands in the air naked and, and some of them died. And so there was already tension between the Philadelphia police and the Africa family. So once, pro- uh, once complaints and protests uh were happening with the residents um the cops were sort of like you know get out the house and they were like no this is our property yada 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 and there was a standoff it was like a four or five day standoff where they would just seal off the block and you saw news cameras and news people like bending on their knees like you know this jack jones live on uh, kyw and uh we're outside the africa home and and then on may 13th man um yeah the the commissioner decided to just fly in a helicopter right over their rooftop. I'm trying to figure out like what was so distinctive about their rooftop. They had something on top. They had a bunker. Yeah. But they had a bunker you, you realize how how precise your aim has to be. Yeah. To drop like so yeah. they basically I don't know if it was a grenade or whatever, but they dropped some sort of device that just They dropped a bomb. It was a it yeah. was a legit bomb. First and last time ever on your United yeah. States story. So they dropped a bomb. And you see how like row homes are in Philadelphia. So it's not like there's a separation. And so they let this house they tried they were like, We're gonna burn you out the house. So they burnt them well, they literally killed them all but two. Uh but then the fire spread and then the next two houses and then Two hours later, the entire block was dummies. But then five hours later, that one block. big ass sp- block hit the next block, 
and then that entire block hit the block across the street, Dumb. and then that spread. So at, at some point around nine o'clock, we got a knock saying there was like a, the block captain was sort of like, "Okay, just be prepared, prepared yeah. to." I lived on the fifty second block, and this is the fifty eight hundred block. So around like nine p.m., even though we thought they would contain the fire, there was like concern that. This shit just might spread and spread and spread. Yeah, like burn all them niggas out. Shit. Yeah, it was just it was Africa's, yeah. South Philly's, North Philly, whatever. It's crazy that I'm asked that anywhere I go in the world. Really? Because everybody's kind of like, yo, didn't weren't you guys that the the people that dropped a bomb on a residential area? Yeah. Kind of like ain't like some shit you want to be known for. Yeah. So <laughs> records. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> So then, you grew, heavy. so then you grew up. And then. Yeah. No. So how did you? How did you? How did you start your your? Uh, I guess at, even before DJing, you have to love records. So completely. What was the first record you ever purchased, or were you like the youngest? I was. Yeah. You know that inherited same, your brother's. Thing. Okay. Um. Well, you know what it is. Like my brother played bass for the Intruders, so they would actually rehearse in our basement. Whoa. Um, which was a little deep because, you know, you, you're so young that you're not allowed in the basement that I would sit on the top step and they would rehearse and then I would slide down to the next step and slide down to the next step till they finally see me Jeffrey. and they would say, get back up, right. you know, get back upstairs. Um, but then my dad was an MC for Count Basie. So yeah, my like my dad like I grew up with seventy eights in the house. West Montgomery, Jimmy Smith, and Arthur Priceock. So you had those. So it was almost like being the youngest, I had the best of everything. I had the seventy eights. You know, my brothers were you know, my brother was the weather report, Maha Vishnu Orchestra person. And then of course your how many sisters. Year, how many years older is was your uh, I'm oh man. Um I was the mistake. Okay. Like I was the one that was a little bit a farther gap that it was kind of like, yeah, this was a hot and heavy night with my mom uh-huh. and dad <laughs> because everybody was like, you know, one person was this, you know, you know, uh, 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 49, 51, right. 53. And, you know, it got to the point that it was kind of like, yo, there was like an eight year gap with me. Like I wasn't supposed to be was here. Was I playing? Right, right. But, you know, but I was the, I was the sponge. So, you know, and, and what I give more credit to was my, you know, at about seven years old, my brother showed me how to take records in and out of the sleeve. Don't put your hands on the records. You hold your thumb at the end. You put your finger in the middle. You bring it out. Don't don't touch touch the vinyl like that. Um, and he had, a, he, you know, he had a, a, a Wait, set. You, he had a receiver. Are you still that meticulous there? with your records no, now? No, no. Like, we've Listen, used the shit out yeah, of I, I, I threw that shit out the window. Our parents I, were like um, that, though. But he, you know, he was kind of like, listen, if if you if you take care of it, I will let you use my stereo system when he was at work. What? At like seven years old. But what I'm going to tell you was crazy. I'm seven years old, and I'm making Chick Corea tapes, cassettes. Like, he gave me a blank cassette, and I'm listening to music, not really understanding what is attracting me to this music, but I'm like, oh, my God, I want this Chick Corea song. And, oh, look, you know, Return to Forever, and I want that. And this, because the... I, his music was my music, and I would make these make these tapes, and I got sucked in. Like I didn't understand it was the chord structure. I didn't understand what it was. It was just the, it was a pure attraction of music. And then the Stevie Wonder and the Marvin Gaye. So 
That's what makes you different. You didn't have the don't touch my stereo. Oh syndrome. no, I had the exact opposite. Ah. I had the exact opposite. See, I had don't touch my stereo, but I also lived in a house with three collectors mm. that hogged the stereo. So I was forced by will to, you know, by force, I had to listen to their music. Yeah. And don't touch my stereo in the car and none of that stuff. Ooh, so yeah, yeah. I was, that music was forced upon me. And then I guess Stockholm Syndrome, I just like, oh. I used to do this weird thing that this is the, probably the first time that I'm ever admitting, it. admitting this. But I, w- I would have a radio and I would go and take a bath and I would take the radio in the bathroom and I'd plug it up and I would sit the radio on top of the toilet and I would grab the plunger. Because you got to understand a plunger. Microphone. Is a microphone, it's a horn, it's a bass, Wait. it's a guitar. Oh, I would mimic every, but you know what I did? It made me memorize every guitar solo, lick for lick. Every horn solo. Listen, I would switch. It's nasty. I would have that shit. I would play you have the it bass by your line. mouth. You have it by every place. <laughs> the look on it's, everyone. It's nasty. Yo, your whole, it's nasty, shit, man. Yeah. Your whole entire room just turned against you. The first That's thing it. you say is I use a plunger for a mic. Like, what? Well, no, no, no. Listen. No, you said lick but was lick. it that? Literally, every, the engine, everyone in this room, the people across the street at Froger are like... <laughs> Listen, man, you know, your imagination in music is basically why I'm sitting here. Cause you Look, you, I'll admit the same thing. Yeah. When James Brown was on Dinosaur doing Body Heat, and that's the first time I saw him do the microphone tricks, I got the toilet punch and started doing the microphone tricks. And see? then my mom was like, oh, man, bring the toilet puncher back. So, see, I didn't do it in front of my mom. <laughs> I had a lock on the door. <laughs> oh, you knew better. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's nasty. Yeah. No, I mean, and I didn't put the plunger near my mouth, you know. I, but you know and, when and you plunge, it's splash. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, but you know what? No I, listen, this, but, the, but the top, <laughs> like, I wasn't doing it with the rubber part. The rubber no, part I get what you're was saying. The, the, the horn, and, you know, you would grab a roll of toilet paper, and that would be your your muzzle on your on your trumpet. Wow. <laughs> so, oh, listen, I went to <laughs> What was the... Yes. Steve was just like, wow. <laughs> when when were you allowed... real busy in the bathroom. When... <laughs> 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 When were you allowed to curate the first backyard barbecue or like what you consider your first DJ gig? I started making mixtapes for all of the dancers. Not necessarily mixtapes. Um, if you had a, a, a cassette that had a spring-loaded pause button that it did it instantly, um, wow. you could... Like, you know how sometimes you would have the pause buttons that you would hit it and then it would engage? Yeah. If you had a spring-loaded pause button, it would stop automatically. Oh, instantly, yeah. So I would just make the Love the Life You Live break that all of the dancers would dance off of. I was the one that had it that went for 10 minutes. Oh, you did pause tapes. Yeah, so I would go to the end and you got known for that. And then it just turned into... You know what? I'm going to steal some of my brother's records and not eat lunch the whole time I'm in school and I'm going downtown because you remember Funko Mart had 345s for yeah. you know $2 and I would just I started a record collection. Like that's I realized that the record collection is the most important thing as a DJ. What was the first cuz I did when Rappers Delight came out, I begged I think 20 people for a dime. Mm. Cuz it was like smart. it's 299, it's 317. So yeah, I, listen, I had like um what was the first record that you like 
Barcades, Holy Ghost, um, Moving by Brass Construction. Because I was a little pre-hip-hop, so right. that's what they would play at the block parties. I just want to make your dream come true by mass production. and You know, it was, it was all of that. It was the funk and soul bands. When did you play your first block party? Um, Probably about... 80, 79, 80. I know I was still in school. With two, so I know Philly's known for these uh, DJ crews, like Astro Funk and. Oh yeah, and this was this is way before that. This was super before that. Like so I wasn't, I wasn't what old equipment? enough to go off the block, so let alone have a crew. But what? it was it was older DJs on the block, and you know, and that's the first time that you got in front of two turntables and a mixer with. Uh, headphones. You use their mixer. Oh yes, I I, I I had nothing. And they trusted you. Yeah, I mean, listen, I was the guy that when they had to go pee, I played. Yeah, you, know? you were like I was going to say, have you ever been someone's record dude? Or uh, record? Always. That's all I was to all of the older guys, and it was just, you know, I don't remember what happened, but I got into a point that I would do stuff by myself, and you know, from growing up in West Philly, that we have an iconic public enemy type flavor flavor figure named Crazy D. Yes. That if Crazy D was at your block party, your block party was guaranteed to be a success. So people would go and recruit him. And they had a block party on 57 Cedar, which is a big block, mm-hmm. two, two-way two street. And I remember looking at all of the DJs in the neighborhood. You had Disco Doc, you had Disco Rat, you had E-Man Disco, and all of them had no block parties. They were all there. So it was kind of like when... You don't have any other competition, and they're all they're watching you, and you're 14, 15 years old in the street with four or five hundred people, and you're controlling them. That that was the that was the signal. That was the signal in the neighborhood that that he he got it. Like that was it. It was that one block party. So how long was it before you were able to? Because uh, I know turned. I mean, I had to get a record budget to buy my turntables and my mixer and that sort of thing. So like I was in a lot of crews that had equipment. So one guy That's would have I was a mixer in a, yeah, and one guy listen, would you know it was kinda like But how listen, would you practice though? I, I I would mentally practice. No, Jeff. You <laughs> listen, I'm 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 dead ass serious. I would practice in my head. That was the only way that I could Your practice. Your ten thousand hours were spent just in my in my head. L L Well that was that was before that. Oh that was before that. But you know what it was? What what helped was if you cut Grandmaster Flash super rapping at a party and you killed it, the next week, the DJ in your crew is going to cut that record. He's not going to leave it for you. There wasn't, there wasn't favoritism <laughs> or any of that. So what happened, then you learned how to cut at the party by Treacherous 3. And then the next week, he would cut Grandmaster Flash and the Treacherous 3. So you systematically kept going through records, finding routines to do off of these records because it was it was that competitive. You know, you you know the back-in-the-day parties, you know, Grandmaster Flash super rapping was paid 20 times because so, everybody had a routine off of it. Right. Who, who was the first... Like, did you pioneer the whole let's dance to the drummer's beat? Like, what... That was a, that was a classic. Like but, those, I don't think anybody necessarily... like that. That was a record that and everybody. Let's dance to the drummer's beat. Like that to me is is that's Philly. 
Like, that was one of the things that I would say. Like, that didn't belong to any DJ specifically. That was Philly. That was DJ Spinbad, Lightning Rich. That was every DJ in Philly cut Pump Me Up. They cut Dance's Drummer's Beat. They cut It's Time. They cut, you know, uh, uh, Clear. They mm-hmm. cut Like, there was just a staple of Philly records that all of the DJs cut. But, I mean, who was the first cat that was just like, yo, instead of just pump me up normal i'm gonna bump to bump 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 me up like ways to ever you know what's funny i think when i saved up enough money and got 1200 because i understand all of this early stuff was done on belt drive turntables which i think helped me a lot Where because you, and the yeah. record goes fast okay but you I know see. what it was it helped your hands you know that's my hands got light because they had no choice but to be light because i was on the wackest equipment in the world, so so without butter rugs, how were you able? Oh, would wax you put paper. records under wax paper. You would go in your mom's and pull out some wax paper, put a record down. You cut it cut out, it po- poke the hole in. <laughs> you start scratching too much. The wax paper would get too big and start sliding off, and you gotta get some new wax paper. There wasn't. We didn't have any of those tools. We didn't have butter rugs, felt mats. You you know you bought a turntable. You had the big rubber mat on it that you just tossed away, and you know forty five made the record wobble. Which you had to have really light hands because wait you would cut forty fives too. Well, no, you would put a forty five underneath the the twelve inch. Oh, to make, to it, make slide it slide better. Okay, but that didn't work. So the wax paper was it, or you would cut a, an album cover and and try to use that. You try to get a glossy one because it would slide more. You would spray WD forty in your mixer, which I know Steve is just like, oh my god. <laughs> Seriously, you, you, would, you would spray it in the mixer. You knew it was going to destroy your mixer, but it would make your crossfader. Cool. So you know, it was kind of like, listen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill it for about three weeks, and then the here comes the static, and it's time to retire. And you would just sit it on the shelf and let it dry out. By the time it dried out, you could do it all over again. Can I ask y'all a question? Just yes. And a DJ culture question. Like, what is Philly DJ culture and history mean to hip hop versus other? Well, of course, people would say New York, but what do y'all think that it really means to? The culture. Well, that leads to my next question because I think that yes or no. Did you invent the Transformer Scratch? I don't. I don't give that. If if I had to give that credit to anybody, I would give that credit to DJ Spinbad, the original Spinbad, who used to DJ for Bell. BBD. Yeah. yeah, he's so, from Philly. Yes, too. he was the he was the first person to do something that sounded like that. There was no name. He was doing it with the up and down. It was no rhythm to it, but he was the first person that did it forward and did it backwards. And then basically, and it was kind of like. Did the light bulb go off in your head like. Oh, completely. Yo. But you know what it was when you think about it? What Grand Wizard Theodore invented, you took and you said, okay, Flash added some rhythm to it. You know what I mean? Okay. Who who decided to use the crossfader and cut the, the scratch on and off? Like, it was all of these add-ons that people did so when he did it it was kind of like okay he did it that was dope but he didn't put any kind of rhythm to it like everybody you know everybody's rhythm is syncopated nobody was like everybody's okay so see that right there so if i was to say what out philly djs hip-hop would be what it would be something like that like it would be like technique is something that philly is definitely invented technique yeah like most people credit spin bad uh you cash money there's a fourth one uh 
We don't play. Uh, what? Uh, Miz. Miz. Oh, mm-hmm. Miz. Yeah. I, I, I would say that. Well, okay. I'll ask you who, without hurting people's feelings, <laughs> who's in your Mount Rushmore? Mm. Ooh. You're already there. Who's. Now, is this Mount Rushmore in Philly or just in general? Uh, Philly. Um, cash, absolutely. Um, crazy thing, it would be Cash, Grandmaster Nell, and Cosmic Kev. Well, I knew you was gonna say Kev, but I was that's wow, that's awesome. Like, like, and it's Kev, funny, Kev on the low is still my idol. Listen, Kev, Kev, you want my balls, Kev? Yeah, I'm Kev, sorry. listen, I gotta say that. Kev, Kev was incredible. <laughs> Cosmic Kev was the fastest DJ I've ever uh, heard in my yeah, life. Yeah, his finger game is like he was, he was, he was incredible. Like, I like we get mad at Kev because Kev don't be Kev no more. And I'm like, come on, dude. I know you got that shit in you. you don't, that don't ever go nowhere. Wait, he doesn't do it anymore? He ain't challenged. Well, no, no, I ain't saying like that. I'm saying like, listen, like I said, I, I get mad that this generation of people who know Cosmic Kev don't know the Cosmic Kev that I know. Oh. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, Kev, Grandmaster Nell, like everybody kind of had some. And it was, you know, and it was really dope because, you know, when Cash wasn't necessarily from Philly, Cash was from Yaden. And, you know, we brought Cash into Philly and introduced him to all of the promoters and all the rest of that. Wait, you don't consider Yaden? Well, well, I do. Okay. I do. I mean, I you know, it's kind of like you, you kind of count Sharon Hill as Philly. Yeah, okay, back in the day, you know in the mean? 80s, we used to think that was a suburb. Yeah. Yeah, I get it, I get it. I but, get you it. know, but, you know, like... You know, Nell used to bring us to South Philly because you wouldn't go to South Philly without knowing somebody. You wouldn't damn it trying to go down there and DJ. So you oh, would you have, couldn't go into different hell territories. No. Listen, it wasn't like that. Like, I, I, listen, I remember Kev bringing me to Mount Airy to DJ at a block party, and someone snatched this guy's glasses right next to me. He had a pair of Neil Styles on, just like I did, and they snatched his glasses and didn't snatch mine because I was up there with Kev. Fuck, I forgot you grew up in the era of snatching oh, gazelles. Man. What? Yo. Listen, gazelles, space invader hats. I remember all it oh, was rough. Yeah, the uh the cone uh, yeah, it was rough. Yo, I forgot about that era. It was rough. You know? And and understand, I needed glasses. So my shit wasn't for show. My oh shit. shit. You I had need- transitions before we even had transitions. Listen. So somebody snatched my glasses. I don't know if I'm gonna be able to find. I got robbed too, and somebody took my gazelle. They took my glasses, took my sneaks. What? Yeah. At a gig? Nah. Listen, I was coming home, coming home, and and you saw it. You saw the whole thing being set up. We were walking across. Someone comes across well, the street. No, you know what's funny is I was with a friend of mine, and we stopped and was talking to this girl, and these two guys walked past, and they walked back past. So it's kind of like the second pass was kind of like that's when you kind of cut your eye. And the third pass, they came back and I, we kind of looked at each other like, OK, you know what this is. So as they walked left, we walked right. And what he did is he looped around and came through the alley and jumped out the alley with a gun. and was just like, give me your glasses. And I just repeated everything that he said because it was in broad daylight. Mm-hmm. So he's like, give me your glasses. I was like, give me my glasses. I was like, give, you know. <laughs> Give me your chain. Give me my chain. Because I'm like, I'm stalling. Because my man broke. He broke. Oh. I mean, listen, I wasn't mad. Shit, he had a gun. I would have broke, too. Damn it, Will. No, I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> but he he broke. And, you know, I, 
I was I was two seconds away from like, okay, he doesn't look too confident with his gun. So I'm about to he sucker punch pick. the shit out of him and run. And what happened then his man came up. So now it was two people. So I was kinda like, okay, all right, let me just give you my glasses and give you my watch and give you and they got caught. Oh, they did? Long story short. He came to court with my sneakers on. Uh-uh. <laughs> you lying. Listen, you remember how you used to lace the sneakers up? Yes. That how all one side would be red and one side would be blue? Right. I knew how to lace my oh, sneakers two, up two like that. Oh, two New York shoe strings in the same shoe? Yes. I knew how to lace my sneaks up that this whole side would be red, this whole side would be blue. He came in the sneakers that he robbed me in. I let the judge know. He said they were his sneakers. I told him, take the laces out and let him lace them up. <laughs> And did he do and it? And he couldn't do it. Wait, the, the judge made him oh, do it? Oh, the judge made him do it. He couldn't do it. And they gave me the sneakers back, and I took the sneakers and threw them in the trash. It's just like, I just don't want you to have them. Yeah, that would be such a great episode of, of CSI or L.A. Law or something. Like, You're so old, L.A. Law. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> you said LA law. said LA law. I, I love that. No, I, I get it. That that is um. You should shit. sell that episode. That's, yeah, that's Philly, man. You know. All right, y'all. You know what season it is? Tis the season for spring breaking and planning our summer travel. And if you're like me, you're already in your Airbnb app trying to find which spot is right for you. Now, listen. While I'm looking to spend all this money. What I'm not doing is thinking about making money with Airbnb. See, you got to change your mind state. Make the money while you're spending the money. How, you say, Laia, do I make the money? Well, you host at your house. And I know what you're thinking. I mean, my whole house? Uh, Well, no, you don't have to do your whole house. I mean, you could do a room or, you know, do the whole house. So make some money while you're spending some money this summer. I'm trying to tell you, your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. How did you first hear about the DMCs? Oh, man. Um, how many How many belts? Is that a real thing? Or just or is that folklore? Awards. It wasn't belts. I got a cup. I didn't get a belt. Was it the very first one? No. 
Now it wasn't the first one, but I got I got a cup. Um, what year did you win yours? Eighty six. Okay, and how many years were they in existence? Oh, man, it was uh, it was there for a couple of years before that. But it was funny because when I got in, fifty percent of the DJs were mixers. So they 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 got really really mad at me because I kind of changed the whole landscape of the DMC. So before you came, listen before what I was came, it? listen the dude was playing and he I need love and he's mixing the next record and I came in like oh no technical last dance last dance and it was just like we can't keep up with that. What's the DMCs? Disco Mix Club. Yo, I never knew that's what DMC stood for. Is that that's like the scene in but uh, think Juice, about it. right? The disco mix yes. club. It's yeah. like Juice. Yes. Okay. But, so you're saying that before DJ you came in, before you came in, it was just about who had the hottest mix in five minutes? Pretty much. Who were the previous winners before? I don't know. So who was going up against you now? Um, uh, I, I want to say, well, because it was two. It was the New Music Seminar, and it was the Disco Mix Club. Disco Mix Club, I remember Vandy C was in it, um, and it was a couple other DJs. I think Wizkid was in it. Um, I don't know the the, the mixer the mixer guys. It was Is there just, you know, a DJ somebody, Cheese from Philly as well? He's not from Philly. He's from Jersey. He was Tri-State. in. He was. We were. He was. I was in the the New Music Seminar with him. He was the he was the DMC world champ at the time. And how did you defeat him? What do you mean, how? <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I, I was better. Okay. <laughs> but you know what? Like, listen, and 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 he's 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 cool. I, you know, I love that brother. It was just funny at that point in time. I was never really, I never really considered myself a competition guy. Like, listen, I like I like to do it. I was just kind of like, damn, I'm really mad that everybody's trying to put this person up against you. It's just like, I enjoy doing this. I ain't playing basketball to win the dunk contest. I just like playing ball. But that was a way to get your name out. So when I got into the new music seminar, b- being from Philly. What did you cut with? Um, I did, that was when I did the board, board of mansion for your mother thing. From, oh, yeah. brought up and, yeah. and, br- and broke it down. Okay. But it was kind of like he, um, right before we went on, I went to shake his hand, and and he didn't shake mine. I was just like, "Hey, man, what's up? Good luck," you know, because I was like, "Man, I like you. You got the King Cut record out," and he didn't. He wouldn't shake my hand, uh, you know. But it was just, it was literally one of those things that I'm kind of like, "Listen, the the equipment was messing up. I realized that nobody was using their own needles. Nobody was using. I I, I won that with with technology because the equipment that everybody was using." Everybody lost on the side. Like it was two setups. The setup on the left, everybody lost because it was jumping. And when he didn't shake my hand, I deliberately walked to the left side to make sure to that. make you know. I was like, no, I'm going to show you that I'm going to show you completely. And I reached. Wait, in my bad. You, you purposely took. Oh, I the- purposely took the bad side. Like Will was pissed off because everybody was like, when you go up there, go to the right side. And I walked up and went to the left side and I reached in my bag and I put my own needles on. I had some ADC needles with quarters on top and I reached and I put my wax paper on and I put my record on. And the funny thing, which Steve is going to kill me, I reached in my bag and while everybody was looking, I took the long straw and said, (laughs) and sprayed that crossfader. (laughs) And as soon as it got loose, I went my headphones and I tested the left turntable and I tested the right one. 
And I looked out at the crowd at Will, and I was like, Yeah, you just jif- jiffy lubed that motherfucker. That's it. I was so like, wait I got a minute. Him. Like none of those DJs even thought or none. knew none to weight their shit none. or or balance none. Only you were doing that. Just me. And once I knew, I was kind of like, I'm good. And I started break, breaking stuff down, doing rhythm scratches with Java Rhythm Scratch and, you know, just stuff that people hadn't seen or heard before. And that's how you won. That was it. I see. All right. Uh, I got to get to your, your production phase. I know. Jeff is like. This got we're gonna have to have him back for a whole nother. I'm like episode, production phase. You know? <laughs> I, I told you before he got here. I was like, I don't know how we gonna do this. I, <laughs> this is a two parter. That's waiting to happen. I'm not stopping the story. It's God, oh no, I'm just. God's I'm not you. trying to stop. I'm just saying. He's, I see. It's he's gonna. But let's to go. You know, we gonna as far back. as we can get, and then we gonna make him come back again. Yes. Okay. So, how did you partner with Will? Um. You know, every, they, everybody had a, a rap group. Everybody had an MC. Everybody had a DJ. Wait, before I ask that, how did I heard a mixtape once of you battling Victor Duplay? <laughs> you and mean Victor Cook? Vic, or, no, Vic the Dick. It, it, it wasn't. Who put that? Who put that mixtape online? It, it wasn't a battle. It was people just recorded, but it was kind of like people used to do call and responses with records. But I thought he was your record dude. No, like you know, Vic Vic was the young guy that used to come over the house and I would show him stuff. Yeah, but then what happened with this thing like, yo, battle with Jazzy Jeff and Vic the Dick? Nah. Well, and you know how did was? he ever get you, that title? What what happened was Vic went on at a Central High party and as a joke, he took a he took a jab at me with records. Cause we're all cool. Right. He took a jab at me with records. So it was kinda like, okay, you're gonna take a jab at me. You don't understand that I got this laundry list of things that I can do to you. And and Ice, my MC at the time, was the one that was like Victor Dick. So now oh, to okay. show you, because it came out on a, a, a mixtape, you don't get a chance to see what actually happened. You only hear it. Right. So everybody's like, oh, my God, you killed Vic. And it was like, it wasn't like that. <laughs> oh, y'all just joking on stage. Yeah. Can I give a millennial footnote real quick to all the millennials? Vic the Dick, a.k.a. Victor Cook, a.k.a. Victor Duplay. You may know him from a party called Kiss and Grind. Yeah. There yes. we go. The God yeah. of Kiss and Grind. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's coming up with the century for And him. one of the producers of one of my favorite Erykah Badu songs, Eric Green Eyes. I always like to throw that in there. Yeah. Yeah. Victor Cook. Victor, Victor. Mama called him Cook. I'm a call. I'm a call. Yes. <laughs> no, um, he. So wait, actually, you you mentioned something very crucial. Uh, for Philadelphia hip hop heads, the the high school mm. jams, how were they booked? Because those were like on level of college jams. But you know what? All of the DJs were from Central High. Like Vic went to Central. Where did you go to high school? I was in over, Bartram, but you know, but you I was in Bartram. Yeah, I was out of school by then. Oh, I thought you, know, you were But it was just kind of like I got booked because of my affiliation with Vic and everybody else. So, but you know. was there an agent that just had y'all going to high school? No, an agent. Oh, you mean an, an agent? Bobby Dance. <laughs> oh, oh man, sixtieth <laughs> in Latona Street. Go but get y'all your kept money. working, didn't y'all? Yeah. I thought an agent was a guy that you know did these things. No, nah, you just you know you knew the, you knew the guy who was throwing a party. And you uh, wanted to kind of be his favorite because he would, you know. And then if he knew that people followed you, you know, 
They would they would book you. But you never desired to be on like Lady B Street Beat on Power ninety nine or like I'm like not, what was your goal? Not like, the radio I want, DJ. I, you know what? I didn't know. I didn't know. Like this was weird because this was at a point in time when I'm I'm out of school and I don't tell anybody that I'm a DJ. Like what kind of DJ? You know, you were you were a radio DJ then. So you know, my mom's friends come to oh Jeff, you out of school? What are you doing now? You kind of like were I'm you a in DJ. college or no, no? You didn't. Okay, okay. It's kind of like, what are you doing now? It's like, I'm a DJ. And you don't tell somebody, I, I do block parties and, you know, house parties that I'm setting up on people's washing machines and all of it. Like, th- that wasn't a viable. So back then, if I wanted to book Jazzy Jeff. Oh, listen, I had my cool cards. In 83 or 80. <laughs> yeah, listen, you find your man who worked at the printing store and you would get the card and then somebody would design it and you would put your home number on it. So in 83, how much could I book you for? Oh man, that was a cool thirty-five dollars. Oh Lord! Wait, what? Oh come on, man. We was just thirty-five trying to get, bucks. We was trying to get money to go to McDonald's on Fortieth Street. What? <laughs> Sound like a Cosby oh, Show episode at, at Penn State. That's at, it. At University of Penn. Like you wasn't getting money. Oh, I'm like thinking that, that I got to pay you two hundred fifty bucks to. Man, I wish somebody paid me two hundred fifty bucks. But you was wearing EKs and your your kicks was right. I mean, listen, because I, I had a job. I worked at Roy Rogers. Okay, there we go. You listen. worked at Roy, where? Which on Roy Rogers? On Street. How do you think I know about Forty Street? So I lived at that Roy Rogers. Come on, I was I was I was the chicken cook. Makes a lot of sense now, don't it? You yes, it totally. There you go. Does. Oh my god, <laughs> this totally makes sense. This absolutely makes sense now. Wait, you worked at that that Roy Rock? Yes. Dude, I guarantee you, I've sixty five percent of all my nutrition yep. intake. Roy Rogers was, was a shit. I worked at the Roy Rogers and then I moved up the street and started working for Steve's ice cream. You Steve's ice cream on Yeah. What? With the mix man, I was the king of the mix ins. So y'all knew each other, but y'all didn't know each other? I obviously I, I guarantee you I ran into Jeff without a million it. times. Asking for some free ice cream, he's like, nah, I only know you. All right, wait, let me let me bring the mood down real quick. Uh side note, Philadelphia tribute. Uh, Gary Heidnick used to oh damn you guys started frowning already Gary Heidnick uh, would often lure uh, his the women inside of that Roy Rogers uh, on 40th Street really to do what, what, do you, what, do you, what do you, who is he what do you do Gary oh, Heidnick yeah. is sort of our yeah. uh, who's Milwaukee yeah um, um, I hate to do that noise yeah eating the uh, nice silence candy. of the lamb dude yeah. oh yeah. shit he was yeah. eating them who's Milwaukee yeah, yeah, that's um, um not David Banner. <laughs> David Banner. Oh, but David. Uh, David. David. Uh, he got killed in jail. Uh, David. Oh, this is Koresh. Ba- no, 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 Koresh. The blonde. Ah, the guy who ate everybody. Yeah. 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 Um, he liked it. He liked it brown. Fuck yeah, we, his name. We had a. We had. Yeah, a, fuck we it. had a. I gotta a, look it up now. A version of <laughs> that in name. Philly. I didn't know he. And he looked at Ethan Butler at that. And he wow. ate them. God, you Philly he, people, y'all. Have and Such the, history. He, he really? used the fixins bar to uh, <laughs> Jeffrey dress Dahmer. it up. Jeffrey, Jeffrey, Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. So Gary Hodnick no, was our Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> Side note: At his trial, you know it was key <laughs> hip hop history. You know it was a key witness at his trial at Gary Hodnick's trial. Said G from Ultra Magnetic. For some weird weird reason, either Said G used to talk to this girl in Philly, but he lived. Crashed in North Philly, uh, 86, 87, like between his ultramagnetic years or whatever. But he had to, for some reason, he was testifying in the in that Gary Heidnick trial. 
Yeah, that's a little weird. Yeah. Uh, why did I just bring the mood down? No, 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 it's fine. Yeah, you just, Tasty. You just completely I'm, I'm, I'm. destroyed my Roy Roger days. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I gave. Oh, man. Gary. Wow. I fixed him chicken. <laughs> <laughs> this is not funny. Jeff's killer chicken. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I heard chicken good. So, uh, yeah, from doing those uh, those central. This is weird because this actually takes us back to the beginning of this conversation with pleasing uh, yourself musically and serving the crowd musically. Mm-hmm. Um, I noticed that uh, there's there's sort of a running theme with most of the guests that are on uh, QLS in which high-pressured DJ uh scenarios make better producers jimmy jam would often talk about having to uh dj for 2000 kids in minnesota but that made him more in tune to mm-hmm. become jimmy jam and of course dr dre his story is that you know if you played the wrong record you could get shot yeah i know that part so I don't know. I, I feel like I'm in such a privileged era because like my celebrity allows me to do silly shit. Like I could play a Sesame Street record if I want to. And it's like, ah, oh, Quest Loves is you know, I'll play the curly shuffle, three stooges shit, whatever. But it's like, how are you able to experiment or is it just like, yo, I gotta play the hottest record right now and that's it? No. And you no. you got like I assume these gigs are like three to four hours, correct? No, I'm. You do three to four hours. I do two. What I'll do two. Or you hour can make and a half. point in two hours. Yes, like and I can make a point, however long. But it's one of the most important things is for me to know how long, because for me to tell the story, I have to end. I get absolutely pissed off when they cut if you I off. If I am not able to end, because every you know it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um. And you just you once I know how long it is, I kind of know where to go. But how can you tell that story in two hours, though? Because music po- listen, is so. It, it's possible to tell that story in thirty minutes. Like it all depends. You know, it See, might. Why is making faces now? Like it's it, so easy. It, I'm not saying it's easy, no, but it's, it's not easy. Said done. It's like it's it's actually harder to do it in a shorter amount of time. Yes, it's hard as hell. You know, because you you don't get a chance to build up. You don't get a chance to kind of get into it you only so when you do these gigs around the world it's only for two hours yep Yep. not even three well see you know what it is you got to keep in mind i play really really high impact when you play high impact you can't high impact people for for over two hours like there was so many lessons that i've learned um i remember doing an msu homecoming and it was one of those things that I just was hitting them and hitting them and hitting them. And I remember paying attention to this guy. He was a little bit heavy and he was dancing. And it was almost like you were trying to get off the floor. Right. And I keep playing something. that. You, and when I tell you, he was dripping and soaking wet. And it got to a point that I was like, you're not enjoying yourself anymore. Like, you're you're at a fucking health reason. You're at, you're, you're, you're at a point that... You're not enjoying, and it was kind of like, wow, Jeff. You know what you have to do? You got to take people on a mm-hmm. roller coaster ride. You got like, it's cool to send people to the bar. Mm-hmm. You know what I realized a long time? Like, I didn't come up playing reggae because, like, and I'm gonna tell you why. 
there were so many reggae records. You get, you know, I'm coming from funk, soul, mm-hmm. rock, all the rest of this. I couldn't add reggae into my my set because it was way too much. And it was so many rhythms that changed that it was just kind of like, you know what? I'm going to leave that to someone else. But what I realized is if I didn't play reggae, people didn't leave who wanted to hear reggae. Once you get them in, nobody's leaving. That's the first lesson as a DJ that you have to understand. Yeah, I'm not paying $20 and the DJ suck to the point that I'm going to leave. I'm going to be mad at you, but I'm going to stay. So because I know that you're there, my job is, you know what? If you satisfy everybody in the room for 45 minutes, they walk out saying I had a great time. So it gives me the ability to satisfy three different groups of people for 45 minutes. Everybody walks out like, yo, he killed it. Mm -hmm. Because you can't think, case in point, how long do people dance at a wedding reception? 20 minutes. Yeah. Tops. Yeah. Everybody get on the floor with the bride and the groom. You boom, 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 boom. And it's kind of like, okay, cut the cake and we out. Yeah. And I'm good. Like, we're not at the, you know, this ain't danceateria. Because people who went to those marathon dance things, they went there to dance all night. That's not the average club. The average club is I'm a drink, I'm a find a girl, and I'm a dance. It's not. It's while. not the whole For thing. And as a, I'm just gonna say, as the person dancing on the floor, we appreciate the break to go get the drink, to not mess up your hair and sweat your hair out and shit, and be like, oh good, he gonna let take a, oh good, I can breathe for a second. Like we just appreciate See, it. You know what? It's funny you said about reggae because. I feel as though reggae is the one genre that will never die Mm -mm. and that is universally loved by everyone. Yep. My first 10 records are always the reggae records because I have to test the room. That's the one, like, Murder, She Will will never die in my lifetime. So that's usually, like, my first record. And with the stuff that Drake is doing now that's sort of, like, close to that. All that stuff blends together. It fits in. So usually my first 10 records are that. And it buys me time to see... Now, it's weird because I used to be the DJ that, like, came out the box, hit, 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 hit. But then I learned, like, after 17, there's fatigue. Yeah. And then I started feeling myself to the point where I got off with playing the worst shit ever. (laughs) No, only because I knew what I had around the corner. But how great is that feeling? I tell people... It's amazing if I got 2,000 people in front of me and I know I got you, I know what the next five records are going to do to you. Right. Like, you don't know. Like, I'm sitting there like, oh, my God. It, oh my. As, like, Fess, when we were in, when we were in Africa, mm-hmm. and I, because I have this thing that I play the original of Annie Up. The right. soul system. So you know right. it's fast. So mm-hmm. I was, you know, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and soul system. So everybody's kind of have this look because it's kind of like What's he doing? you just change the tempo. Like it's almost like, damn, did he fuck up? And I'm playing it and you you gotta sell it. Like we selling it. Fest over there dancing, dang dancing. And when it when it morphs into it, the look on everybody's face Once of oh shit. Oh, and it's pandemonium. But so when I drop that, I, I'm excited because I'm kind of like, I'm looking at the dude that's kind of like, what's he doing, man? This dude. And I'm like, and I'm just staring straight in his face. Just wait. 
because you know Annie Up is kind of like mm-hmm. where, where all the ladies at right, for, right time. For, yeah, that's that's the Beyonce for dudes. It right. is. <laughs> so it's kind of like I'm, I'm sitting there like, okay, go ahead, stand there with that stone face. And then he loses his mind. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so listen, just in closing, because I I also want to get. Listen, you said for the record, we we are doing part two. Okay, but did, oh, t- part two gonna be real long too. We talking touch of jazz. We talking. We we gotta get to the production stuff. All right, and then, but I I do want to talk about uh, the M three project. Explain yeah. to me yeah. how how it came to be. Um, and you infested. I wanted this to be the last installment of the Magnificent series, not the last record that I'm gonna do. The Magnificent series was always a trilogy to me. I wanted to be the Magnificent Return of Magnificent M three. I needed to let the music industry kind of get completely out of my way. There's certain shit that just didn't make sense to me that um, I wanted to kind of fix. You know, the, the the first thing that I fixed was having your own studio because now I can control the creative process. I can make whatever I want. Nobody can tell me that. I just didn't have it down to how to release your music and get it to everybody. So social media and just the changing world that we live in allowed all of that to happen. And that's why it was 11 year gap between the return of the magnificent to this one. Um, But I also wanted to do a record because I made the mistake by making the prototypical. um, Let me have all of these guests on my record only to realize that there's no way humanly possible that we're ever going to do a show. Mm. Isn't that frustrating? Yes. Wow. Yeah. So it just got to a point that it was kind of like, listen, I'm, you know, as as many dates as we're doing, how can I make this record to the point that we can go out and support it? And actually it? promote it. But did you um, do that with the other Magnificent stuff? Oh, uh, listen, I had Method Man, CL Smooth. And, yeah, everybody. You know, it was just kind of like, uh, yeah, so this will never be live. That's what I meant. Yeah, like did they oh, tour yeah. with it? it they no, never tour no, with it, right? Ever. Yeah. The so, first one, yeah, Eminem and yeah. Slum Village and all this. So, you know, it was kind of like, you know, me and Dane have been on the road for six, seven years. I've made, Fest was on The Return of the Magnificent. Mm-hmm. The funny thing was when I made The Return of the Magnificent, my son Amir was five. <laughs> right. So, you know, it was all, and then just sitting down kind of piecing it together, you know, I was kind of like, listen, you know what I want to do? First of all, I want to bring back the era of Cold Crush. I want to bring back the era of Tribe, bring back the era of De La Soul, of MCs going back and forth Mm -hmm. with each other. Um, Because one of the things that I realized, especially being a DJ, is when you've been around during a cycle, when AM and I would DJ together and we would do two by four sets, which basically both of us are playing at the same time, people would lose their mind. And I'm like, I did this 25 years ago with Cash Money. Like, it's not new. Wait, you DJed with Cash Money before? Yeah, we would do two-by-four style. I never knew that. Yeah. That's why I never asked the question. Yeah, we would, we would do that. But it's just, what it did is it kind of let me know, when you have, when the cycle has repeated itself, everything starts over. You know, it's kind of like the person who's like, oh my God, Transformers. And you're kind of like, oh, wow, you completely missed the cartoon, huh? Yeah. Like, you right. think it started now. So, it, it's from knowing that from the DJ side... I'm kind of like, you know, Migos don't actually tag team when they rap. Like, they're not doing De La Soul or Cold Crush stuff. So no one understands about that. So I was like, yo, I'm just reinventing the wheel that 
what I think is really dope is I had three generations mm-hmm. of MCs that I have Fess, who's 40, Dane, who's 20, and Amir, who's 18. But they all are MCs. They all spit. And you can hear their different perspectives in the songs. I was listening to it. I was like, this is kind of dope. Like three because different Because it's kind of like yeah. everybody's kind of like, oh, man, you know, is it the this? Is it this? It's kind of like I, I, I hate categorizing music. I got two categories. It's good music and bad music. I don't care the genres, all the rest of that shit, because, you know, you would go into a Tower Records and you couldn't find the shit that you wanted because you classified it as one thing and they classified it as something else. And I just kind of wish that the entire store was in alphabetical order because I could probably find everything that I wanted. Faster, right. So it's just it, it wasn't genre specific. You know, I took two weeks and we came in and we made all of the music. All of the music on the album is is live instrumentation. Um, and I did it in a way because it was kind of like, okay, you know, I don't necessarily want you to know. I want you to feel the music. I'm not, I don't want you to dissect it. Um, and then invited Dane, Ron Fest, and Amir to come in and Aaron Camper. And we, you know, recorded all of the vocals and yeah, it was Aaron. like, that was it. Shout out to Aaron Camper. Yes. Shout out to Aaron Camper. Maryland represent. So uh, I'm about to say. And then we cheat because traveling around the world, if you watched any of the videos that we put out, we cheat and shoot videos in all of the places that we go. So the first video, Skater's Paradise, which is actually about traveling around the world and how some people would rather spend $1,000 on a strip of the dance instead of spending $1,000 on a trip to Japan. Mm. Um, you know, we, we cheated and shot the video all over the world. That's good business. That's, that's good business. That's good business. Well, Jeff, uh, I'm holding you to, yes, to Another part one. two. We have two, actually, we have two extra episodes to do. We have to do Jeff and then Ryan Fest, he got to come back and he yes. got to do his own episode oh, Absolutely. and talk about how he be trying to save the world and shit. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> we, okay. yeah Fest, I take Fest around the world with me because he, he saves the world as we go. <laughs> True <laughs> indeed. I Listen, believe it. I don't, I, I don't, I've, I've never been that person that just kind of ventures off and we would come down and I'll say, dang, where's Fess? And he was like, I don't know. At a church mission. Fess, and Fess would just be like, yo, I just got with some people and they took me out in Kenya. And I'm kind of like, yeah, I wouldn't have did that. <laughs> but Fess comes back and listen, we, we were in Bali and Fess came back after being gone all day that we almost about to send a search party out. And Fess was like, yeah, I went to a brothel and I was sitting outside talking to three prostitutes and a cop. Yes. And he had like a five-hour conversation, but came back with the entire information on the country of Bali. Indonesia. Indonesia. You better correct him. <laughs> was it? Oh, tomato, tomato, tomato potato, yeah, potato yeah. patata. Yeah, 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 yeah. Potato, patata. So, yeah, you know, Fess is our cultural yeah, at, attache. Yeah, Fess. How's Obama doing? I just figure you know him. <laughs> well, you know, actually, we 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 were having some issues in Chicago, uh, you know, because yeah. you know they got the the um the Obama Library that's mm-hmm. coming to the South Side. It's a five hundred million dollar project. It's going to project it uh, three billion dollars for the for the South Side of Chicago. But Obama, who is was a community organizer, wants wouldn't sign a community benefits agreement, and that that community benefits that agreement. Them- that that makes sure people don't get uh, Harlemed out and Brooklyn mm-hmm. out. You know what I mean? Gentrified. Like when you see what's happening in New York, it's coming to your neighborhood soon. I'm from DC, so trust so you that I know. know yeah. right? But didn't so it already happen in Chicago? Because uh, the did... city council voted on it today and pushed it through. And so, like you know, basically, you know, 
the preachers and Obama, they got to get like, it's Obama. Just trust them. And the community is like, hold on, wait, this $3 billion, we need this in writing. Mm -hmm. And they're like, nah, you're not getting it in writing. A lot of times, too, you know, what's interesting when you, this is what black people got to be careful of. When we make big money and do big projects, who's in the middle of us in the community? Mm. It's always the middle man. Mm -hmm. the middle and he man. usually don't look like the man and he don't look the... like the one at the bottom or, the, or at the top sometimes. He and, look and like yeah. Steve. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, Steve cool. He's quiet. No, he is, but I just meant <laughs> <laughs> right now. <laughs> hey, I'm going to get him an endorsement deal with WD-40 in, okay? So, you know what? I don't, but you know, As I ain't got to spray man. my mixes no more because now they got a knob to make it tight or loose. Lesson they learned. Do. I heard you, Ron Fest, over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch out for the middleman. Well, you know. He talks to rich people. I'm not there yet, but for you and Jeff, y'all should watch out for the middleman. If you see a rich person, let yeah, me know. I'm saying, <laughs> I didn't say wealthy, at least rich. Come on, Negroes. Man, Don't rich, try to play rich, a player. Rich Dude, and culture. I got to wind this episode so I can go to my job. <laughs> you can be rich with rich a job. Rich culture. Goodbye. I can't. <laughs> Look, I'm just paying off my mama house. That's all I'm doing. Oh, my God. Okay, they broke. <laughs> Listen, on behalf of <laughs> DJ Chet, DJ Jazzy Jeff, uh, Ron Fess, uh, Sugar Steve, Fontigolo, and his countertops. Uh, oh man, I love Fonte, man. We we speak like twice. Yeah, he a week. real salty that he didn't. Yeah, he real salty. Is he? Yeah. Is he though with his countertops? Exactly. He should have been here. I feel I you. I could dig that countertops. But Ron Fest coming back, so there you go. There you go. All right, and also uh, unpaid bill on Sesame Street and uh, uh, boss bill. Advil. Steve. Yeah, everyone. This is Quest Love Supreme, and this is Quest Love only on Pandora. We will see you on the next go round. Thank you. Ladies and gentlemen, you hate to hear it happen, but you know, that's part one of the great Jazzy Jeff. Stay tuned for part two, where we get more stories of his life with Will Smith, making records, DJing, making music, following his passion. The greatest ever, Jazzy Jeff, QLS Classic, part two, coming up next time. Quest Love Supreme is a production of iHeartRadio. This classic episode was produced by the team at Pandora. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.